Welcome everyone to Do We Like Murder, a segment of the Long Overdue Podcast, a production of the Decatur Public Library. Today we're going to be hearing from Dawn and Denise talking about murder and whether or not you can be bored to death. (laughs) (laughs) And if that qualifies as murder. If someone bores you to death, Mm -hmm. does that mean that you're murdered? They caused my death (laughs) by boring me to it. So, (laughs) however, you sat there and let them do that to you. It wasn't like so. I don't know. So maybe not first degree homicide, but I'm gonna go with manslaughter. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they tied you down and said you're gonna (laughs) listen. You're gonna listen. (laughs) So, what did y'all read this time? Okay, I think both of our books have really long titles. Uh, I read Death in the Air, The True Story of a Serial Killer, The Great London Smog, and The Strangling of a City by Kate Winkler Dawson. That does not sound like it would be boring. Super boring. Oh my gosh. <sighs> okay. Mine is Invisible Eden, A Story of Love and Murder on Cape Cod. See, yours sounds like it could be scandalous. Right? Like, I should have known better when it was like smog. <laughs> There's a clue. Yeah, I was like, why did I think that someone was going to make smog interesting? <laughs> well, they talked about fog in mine. <laughs> you know, fog would have been okay. I would have been like, all right, you know, set the stage there. But no. It was more stage setting. It wasn't like a whole chapter or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So would you like to talk about your book first? Sure. Okay. So (laughs) the serial killer in my book is John Reginald Christie. Okay. Um, His friends and loved ones called him Reg. So the author calls him Reg all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like they're old buddies. She's all like interesting. Yeah. I found that to be a little uh, weird. Yeah, making a little connection there that's like, yeah, that is kind of strange. The smog part. So there was, (sighs) the smog happened. It lasted Mm -hmm. for five days. It killed thousands of people. It was awful. I'm not going to say that it wasn't awful. That could have been discussed in a chapter. Mm -hmm. She drew it out for a whole book. Wow. Yeah. But that had nothing to do with... It didn't have anything to do... No, because he started before the fog, like years before Uh the smog thing happened. Okay. He didn't kill anybody during the smog. Like, he stayed indoors. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't going to fall victim to that. (laughs) No, he was all like, oh, no, I'm not going out there. And then he, like, killed people quite a bit after the smog. So it's just like... But the, the thing... That I think she tried to connect both these things together is that they both caused laws to be changed in London. Okay. And so I think that's how she was trying to connect them. Mm-hmm. But it was super boring. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she talked about what happened with the smog, how it happened, that it was basically the government's fault and the government didn't do anything about it afterwards. And, um, one member of parliament was really, really trying. Mm-hmm. But every time he got close to having it put on their docket for them to talk about, something else happened, like a flood 
or a serial killer. Wow. <laughs> I know. I was just like, and the thing that I found to be most annoying about this book uh-huh. is that she would talk about one thing and then stop and start talking about the other. So she'd be like, let me talk about the smog. And I'm like, okay. And then she'd talk about it. And I'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> and she'd be like, now let's talk about the serial killer. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, let's talk about the serial killer. And then it get really interesting. And I'm like, oh, what's going to happen next? She's like, smog. <laughs> <laughs> I and feel I, like my author did that a little bit, too. <laughs> and I'm going to say that towards the end there, I was just like, no. And every time she was like, and then, the, and then he's putting bodies in the wall. I'm like, oh, what? And then she's like, smog. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not reading about smog now. And I would just skip over that because I didn't care. <laughs> I did not care. By that point, I was like, no. She talked about a 13-year-old girl named Rosemary mm-hmm. who was affected by the smog. Her dad died because of it. She came up often. That was pretty much it. Don't know why we had to know about Rosemary. I don't know. Okay. I'm like thousands of people died during the smog thing. Yeah. But okay. She talked about a police officer that was out there during the smog doing his job. Uh-huh. Don't really know why we had to talk about him either. Did he die? No. Oh. No, he looked to be like 103 or something. Wow. <laughs> so the smog may have done him good. Yeah. Or if it cut his life short. Wow. I wonder what he would have lived. How long he would have lived. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, no. The police officer that lived to be 102 was Len Trevion. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the people that had talked to Reginald Christie. Not the guy that brought him in, but just one of the guys that had talked to him. I'm sure there were a lot of people who talked with him. Mm-hmm. The thing about him was that mm-hmm. he... So, John Reginald Christie... Was, by all accounts, a milk toast. Seemed very, he had this very soft voice and he couldn't really talk very loud. And he wow. was tall and thin and balding and he seemed very much like a pushover. Mm-hmm. And uh, years before any of that happened, like any of the smog stuff happened or anything like that, he, one of his neighbors was arrested and charged with killing his wife and his daughter, like his little baby daughter. Wow. And he testified against the neighbor, and they hung him. And the cop that lived to be 102 mm-hmm. was one of the cops that had talked to him about that, about the neighbor, and and so on. Okay. And then many years later, after he had already started his serial killing spree, mm-hmm. the cop ha- had chased someone that was stealing biscuits. Okay. Chased him mm-hmm. to this neighborhood. So I'm like running to that house, of the building and all that. And so he goes in there and he's talking with Reginald about, you know, who this person could have been. Like he, you know, caught him and arrested him and so forth. But then he was, you know, just talking to Reginald about him. And he goes into the guy's apartment. And he's all like, it stinks in here. Oh, my gosh. And but that was it. They had a nice little chat and then he left. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so did he kill the neighbor's wife and child? That, they don't know. They, okay. The neighbor, um, I think his name was Timothy, mm-hmm. he 
went to the police. He confessed that he killed his wife. He never confessed to killing their daughter, which was a baby. Like she was just months old. Like a, wow, not not very old. Um, he claimed that the Christies had taken the the little girl and were going to find some place for her to stay, or that they were going to take care of her, or something like that. Um, but he went to the police and he confessed. And then he changed his confession like three times. And then wow. at the end, he was blaming John Christie for it. Wow. So did they execute the wrong man? They don't know. Because there was a lot of, there was some similarities to the way she died, but not really the way he killed everybody else. And how much of brainwashing could he have done? If he, this John Reginald guy, had actually done it and then tried to get the guy to take to the blame. To confess. Yeah. That would be amazing. Like, yeah. And he had, <sighs> he had a history of being a wife beater. Who so did? The, the guy that was, Timothy. Okay. So, it's, it is pretty likely that he killed his wife. Yeah. Yes. But considering that she was strangled to death, and that's the way Christy tended to kill his victims, he could have done it too. Well, maybe he took his lead from that guy, if he hadn't been doing it yet. He had his own set of ways, like he had his own little ritual of how he would do things. The fact that there wasn't a lot of that Mm -hmm. with with, uh, Beryl. Mm Mm-hmm. They're just not sure. Like okay. they're just not sure if he if he did or if he didn't. Um, by the time they caught him, by the time they caught Christy and tried him and hung him, uh, the public really believed that they had executed the wrong man. Wow! But it's still it's still a toss up. Like he could have, he could have not. Yeah. Uh, no one was confessing to killing that baby. Okay, so what time period was this? This was. 1952, 1953. Okay. Give and take there. Um, and so was John Reginald James. What is it? John. John, John Reginald uh, Christie. Was he married? Mm-hmm. Okay. The way you said that a little bit ago made me think that he was he was married, that yeah. Timothy had given the daughter to them. Yeah. Yep. He was married. He was married to Ethel Christie. They'd been married for a really long time. They married really early on in their in their youth. Okay. But then they separated for like a decade. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so they separated. He went off to London and had quite a violent past before. Like he was in and out of prison for, uh, for some petty blue collar type things like he worked for the post office Mm -hmm. and he was stealing postal orders okay yeah so he went to jail for (laughs) for a few months which Uh, is a big deal yes it's still kind of funny yeah yeah considering that he then became a serial killer yeah (laughs) it's like this is where you started okay yeah um he went again to prison i think for also for theft and then when he got out he met a woman and he was living with her, and then he hit her with a cricket bat, and like on the head, oh. and she was pretty hurt. And so then he went back to prison. 
Okay. And when he got out from there, Ethel went to go see him and was basically like, we could either get a divorce or we can get back together. And he was so, like, obviously she did not know anything that had ha- la- happened in that last well, decade. Well, she knew. But he didn't, he didn't hide that stuff from her and she knew. And so, yeah, she was just like, we can either get back together or we can get a divorce. And he was like, well, what would you, what would you like to do? And she was like, well, let's just get back together. And he was like, okay. So then they got back together. My word. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the way Reginald liked to kill people is he liked to turn on the gas like the coal gas and mm-hmm. his fireplace and all that nastiness that comes out like put it through a little tube and have the girls breathe it in either without them knowing that they were or so on and they would pass out okay and then he would strangle them while he raped them oh my word now, the, his first two, uh-huh. which were Ruth Fierst and Muriel Edie, he buried them in his garden. He kept them in the little washroom for a night. No one saw him. He went out there in the middle of the night and buried them. Muriel's thigh bone was sticking up and holding up the fence. What? <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay. So you could look out the window and be like, what's that? That's a bone. That's just holding up the fence. And so did he go out there and try to rebury it? No, he didn't care. He left it? He left it. And nobody paid any attention. Nobody paid any attention. And then his neighbor kills his wife and there are cops traipsing all over the place and no one sees a thigh bone (laughs) holding up the fence. Oh my goodness. No one tries to, like dig up the yard or anything like that they this just is so stupid uh-huh okay go ahead yep and so after- so he was killing before the neighbor died mm-hmm. okay yes yep his first victim was ruth and yeah it was uh <laughs> there was a lot of craziness in here after the smog went away he did go out one time during the smog and that was to turn in his resignation at his job because he was just tired of going and he didn't want to go and And, what was his job um gosh at this one i don't even remember what it was it was something boring (laughs) (laughs) some kind of little office job um he told his boss that him and his wife were going to move away because a lot of immigrants have moved in, and he was very racist, and yeah. And so, they didn't want to stay there anymore, because they lived in such a grand place, I'll tell you. But then they did. <laughs> right? Well, or he, he had no intention of leaving, really, until he had to, until he ran out of money, until, yeah, you know, and he could tell that they were closing in on him. And so he killed a few more people. Mm-hmm. And he killed Ethel 
After he he turned in his resignation a couple of days, he killed Ethel. That was his wife. That was his wife. I was wondering why he never killed his wife. Yeah. I mean, why was she special? <laughs> she was not. She was not. <laughs> <laughs> he killed her. Okay. And buried her um, under the the floorboards in like his living room. And that's what smelled really bad when the cop came through. And when the cop asked him, like, he was like, man, it smells really bad in here. He blamed the immigrants and their strange food that causes such a stink. Wow. And the cop was just like, all right, yeah, whatever. Bye. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Yep. He killed three other ladies and because Ethel was taking up all the room on the floor there, he <laughs> buried them in the walls. Like he hid them in the walls. Oh like he opened up his cupboard and peeled back the wallpaper wrapped them up and just put them in there and covered it back up and the only reason that anybody ever discovered any of this is because after he ran out of money he was just like i you know i'm gonna go Mm -hmm. he talked to a couple of people to sublet his apartment which he wasn't actually allowed to do yes he knew that he didn't care he just wanted the money so he could go right and so they move in and that same night that they move in, the landlord's like, who are you? And he's like, oh, you know, we sublet. And he's like, you can't do that. Get out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so at this point, he's just, you know, just a deadbeat as far as anybody knows. Mm-hmm. But the landlord let someone else come in and use his kitchen mm-hmm. since the apartment was vacant. And he didn't really have a kitchen up in his little little flat. So he came down there to use the kitchen. Yeah. And for some reason, he was just like, what's behind this wallpaper? And he found three dead bodies. Why? Why? <laughs> Why would you walk into a room to cook and then decide, oh, I'm going to peel back the wallpaper? I wonder if it smelled. I wonder if he was like, what is that smell? That could be. Yeah. And then, is it a dead mouse or rat? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm going to check back here. Yeah. And he found three dead people i was wondering about that if if when he moved out that uh they were decomposed enough that they wouldn't smell anymore i think the last person that he killed was not that far apart from when he had to leave okay and so but he looked back there and found found some dead bodies called the police and then they dug up his yard and found the other people Oh, man. And John Reginald Christie was, he was just such, it wasn't until he got caught that people were interested in what he had to say that he became a little more, um, that he had a little more bravado. Because before that, he was just sort of like, you know. Mousy. Yeah, just a a meek man. And and then then he started getting really full of himself (laughs) up until it came to the point where he was going to be hanged. Oh, and then, and then he went back to, to being who he really was, and he was terrified, and so on, which is understandable. Like, right, you're about to be, <laughs> you're allowed to be afraid, but okay. So you're in a city full of smog that is so stinky and nasty, it's killing people. Mm-hmm. But you're living in your apartment, and I know that they are not insulated. Oh, and right, all of that, like, yeah, ours stuff are was now. still coming in. Yeah, yeah. How could you not smell those dead bodies if you were somebody else living in that apartment? Mm-hmm. Was it an apartment? Yes. Yeah. It was like a little little apartment. Yeah. You would think 
everybody would be trying to look in their walls. Yeah, I'd be like, what is that smell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but this wasn't, you know, this wasn't a very high class neighborhood. And so I'm assuming that a lot of people were just like, I don't know. Yeah. This whole place stinks. Right. So. This whole situation just stinks. All of it. (laughs) It all smells. So she was the writer um, of my book. Had some very interesting ways. So this was very boring. But that was occasionally something that I thought was pretty funny, uh-huh. but only because she uh, wrote badly. <laughs> the smog would have likely killed thousands more if only the anticyclone had stayed longer. The anticyclone? Mm-hmm. What is that? Um, you don't really want to know. It's a lot okay. of science crap. But I'm just like, you wanted more people to die? Because that's what that sounds like to me. Yeah. If only the anticyclone had stayed longer. And I'm just like. <laughs> then that, that small, it could have racked up some more points. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> but she wasn't talking about the London smog there. No, she was talking about a smog that happened in Denora, Pennsylvania. So she was talking about American smog. And so. And where does that tie in? Yeah. Oh, that happened in 1948. So when the London smog happened, no one was really paying attention. Well, it's not that people weren't paying attention. It was that the coal was making England a lot of money as an export. Okay. And if it was dangerous to be because the citizens didn't get the good coal, the good coal, <laughs> right? <laughs> they had the worst of the worst to burn in their own home. So there was causing all kinds of air pollution. Uh and the government was saying, oh, no, this is totally safe, and it's cheap, and you can use it, and no problem. And so when the prime minister that was trying to get all this, you know, the government to admit what happened and try to do some regulations on air pollution, he found out about this that happened in Pennsylvania and then contacted the U.S. about getting their studies and so forth so he would also have a little more backing up of what he was claiming. That makes sense. Like, this happened somewhere else. Yeah. And it killed people there, too, and it was because of this. And so then it happened here. But just the way she wrote that, I was like, Mm -hmm. all right. So you just (laughs) wanted more people to die? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But all righty. And, and, uh... Uh, what Reg? Mm-hmm. Reg, he could have just killed more people if only he hadn't gotten caught. If only right? he hadn't gotten right. caught. Good old Reg. <laughs> <sighs> I guess there's not a line like that in there. Oh, she, <laughs> yep, she just called him Reg a lot. Let's see. There was a uh, the the media nicknamed Reg, the Notting Hill Killer, Jack the Strangler, and some newspapers simply stoked fears with headlines like. Search for Moon Mad Killer. So, search for... I'm so confused because how... They didn't know how these people died until they found them at the end, Mm -hmm. right? And Reg had already taken off somewhere. The thing about Reg was that he had nowhere to go. So, he was just wandering around the city with his little suitcase. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And he would go and sit in cafes and every cop's looking for him and he's just there. <laughs> no one. 
no one notices Reg <laughs> until at some point some young cop is like, you um, you look familiar. And then he's all like, oh, I'm arresting you. And Reg was just like, all right, let's go. Like, wow. he didn't put up a fight. He just wandered around the city. It was just waiting, really. Yeah. Un- unassuming <laughs> local guy, huh? <laughs> yes. And no one, no one did anything. It was just like, okay. If he had had any brains and he had actually walked out of the city and went to another town, uh-huh. he would have just escaped. Hmm. Even though every policeman in the city was searching for him, no one seemed to notice that he was right there, sitting nearby. Reg was invisible as he had been for much of his life. Wow. Oh, poor Reg. Yeah. Right. Mm. And let me just say, I, I don't have very much sympathy for Ethel. No. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm just like, all righty, Ethel. Oh, like, I get that it was the 50s, and I don't know how it was in London. Mm-hmm. But you've been separated for at least a decade. Like, what are you doing? Right. And especially <laughs> if she knows what he's been up to. Yes. That at least he, that he had hurt at least one other person. Yeah. It was the petty crime stuff. I mean, yeah. So I was kind of curious what happened. What did what did Ethel have to say? I wonder about the whole baby thing. Um, well, she thought whenever Beryl Evans, um, her and her husband had an awful relationship. Okay. You know, I mean, always fighting. He would hit her. Okay, they had a baby. Things got worse instead of better, as they tend to do. And he. Um, She had gone and talked with Ethel and basically was saying that she wanted a divorce and she was going to leave him. Um, And Ethel had basically said that, you know, she they would adopt the baby if she didn't want to keep the baby because she had found out that she was pregnant and she didn't want to keep that baby. Okay, that's what they were saying about her. Like, again, none of this is really. Yeah, can't really verify any of it. And so they had offered to adopt the baby if if she didn't want it. And so um, Ethel didn't never believed that Reg had done anything. So like when Timothy was, you know, after his third confession and mm-hmm. was finally blaming Reg about any of it, Ethel didn't didn't believe it as no one did. Yeah, you know, it's just like this is the third time you're confessing. Each one is more ridiculous than the than the last one. Yeah, and now you're pointing the finger at your neighbor, and so, so they one of the stories was that he had given the baby to mm-hmm. them, and she never. I mean, that never yeah, happened no. because as far as far as anybody knows, okay, if he did, he gave it to Reg, mm-hmm. and then Reg did whatever with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want this baby in my house, mm-hmm. and so we're not doing that. <gasps> oh my gosh yeah yeah and they don't really know what happened in that whole situation hmm. well anyway you look at it it's oh yeah horrible. awful yeah mm-hmm. a clinical psychologist administered a Rorschach test the results claimed Reg was very intelligent but and I quote a sad unhappy rather inadequate anxiety ridden little man a good deal of repression especially of aggression I'm like, you think? Yeah. Repression of aggression. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Until he doesn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
the thing about English, at least in the in the fifties, is they didn't waste any time. He was convicted. I think it was in July, and then or was it June? And then by July, they hung him. Like, yeah, there was no, <laughs> there was no waiting around. It was like, <laughs> we're getting this done. But because the whole thing came up of did Timothy kill his wife or was it the serial killer? Because how likely is it that there was two killers living in the same apartment building? And she's like, well, he had history of hitting his wife. Yes. At some point, he was probably going to kill her. Yeah. Like, statistically, like, that's... So, could it have been Red? Yeah, it could have been. I mean, he strangled a whole bunch of other people. Mm -hmm. But could it have also been that her husband snapped after having a fight and killed her? Maybe. So. Yeah, we'll never know. They apparently have made several different movies and plays and such about about Reginald. And the most recent one was in 2016. That was a little series called... Uh, what's this place called? Rillington. Rillington Place was the... Yeah. Rillington Place was the apartment building that they lived in. And uh, Tim Roth played John Reginald Christie. Really? So, yeah. Well, we know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, there was a lot, there was a lot of boring stuff in here about things that I did not care about at all, and I got to the point where I did not care about the smog pretty quick. Yes, <laughs> and it seemed like she didn't have enough, like she didn't have enough to write a book about the smog, and she didn't have enough to write about John Reginald Christie. Mm-hmm. And so she was just like, I'm going to put these two things together. And I've seen this type of thing done well. Like, Devil in the White City was done really well. Yes, I really like that book. Yeah, you know, and at least those two things did happen at the same time. And H.H. Holmes was like, hey, a lot of single women are showing up to try to work this World Fair. And nobody knows where they are, where they're coming from, or if they left. So that's perfect for me to kill them and no one's going to know. Yeah. This, it was just like, during the smog, Reggie stayed home. <laughs> he didn't even try to take advantage of the I smog. I was like, a very sensible man. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not going out there. Self-preservation. Yeah. And so I was just like, so you're trying to connect these two things. And at the end, when it was like, the, this changed, you know, the, the smog changed the air pollution laws in the UK. And Reg changed the whole, like, death penalty laws because there was all this question about whether or not they had hung the wrong man hmm. it's like so that was pretty much it was that around that same time they caused some some law changes well that's a good thing because we're finding out now a lot of people are imprisoned mm-hmm. um and they didn't do it yeah which kind of leads into my book yeah are you ready yeah tell me about cape cod okay there wasn't smog there right (laughs) 
<laughs> no, there was fog, not smog. My book was written by Maria Fluke. And the copyright was 2003. So this is a murder that happened 2002, January 7th. And Krista Worthington is um, was a fashion writer. And she traveled to Paris and she had, you know, all this nice uh, education and had a family line of... Um, I guess prominent. I guess prominent family mm-hmm. on Cape Cod. So Cape Cod has only about two thousand people residents a year, hmm. but then during the summer, it probably shoots to like thirty thousand. They get a lot of, of tourists. Yes. So that is you know the main uh, industry there. Um, so the book starts with the author meeting with this the district attorney and. They go to this party, and he's trying to get reelected, and they start talking about these Indians because the natives... And I'm like, why? Why am I learning about this? Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it's going to tie in eventually. I never did finish my book. Because <laughs> I found out enough by page 192, and I thought, okay, I can't read anymore. <laughs> I mean, and then she would flip-flop, like you said, your yeah. author. She would start talking about stuff like that and mm-hmm. then she would she finally talked about um w- the murder a little bit and i'm like okay yeah let's yeah. get into this and then she did that and then she went back and started talking about somebody else and i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> yes who is this person and why are you talking about them and, and why did we stop talking about this guy putting bodies in the walls right, right now <laughs> <laughs> You give me something interesting, and then it's just, like, boring. (laughs) Yes. And it would drag on and on, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Give me some meat of this topic. So, readings about this, Krista Worthington, I guess I kind of got the impression it was, like, Anna Nicole Smith. Mm -hmm. That it was just very... um, she was kind of famous, but she was a writer. She mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily the one who was <clears throat> in the tabloids, but she was writing about the people who were mm-hmm. uh, in the tabloids. But I kind of felt like that for some reason. And then after her murder, like she became, she was the one that got murdered, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, the victim, Krista Worthington. So I'm sure then she became tabloid fodder after she, that. She did, but then a lot of stuff started coming out about her. That she was not necessarily the person that everybody thought she was. Mm. Uh, I think people probably didn't, well, they didn't know her. And she was, um, based on this information in this book, she was promiscuous. Um, She would walk around her house with no clothes on, with the windows open, so people could just drive by and look in the windows. And, you know, just stuff like that. Mm and then she had many male suitors. Um, but then I read later that their family was very upset when the media started portraying mm-hmm. her that way. But they were finding out stuff. And then they were like, nobody can talk about the Worthingtons except for the Worthingtons. Okay, why not? Yeah. All right. They must have been super rich to stop the, the media from talking about what they wanted to talk about. Right? <laughs> I don't think they really did stop them, though. They wanted to. Yeah. So the first suspect is Tim Arnold. He's the one who found Krista. And she was on her kitchen floor 
um, her, I don't know exactly what she was wearing, um, but I believe her bottom was exposed and then her shirt was up above her chest and she was splayed out on the kitchen floor. Um, her daughter was there who was two. And, um, when Tim came in, he said that the daughter was trying to nurse off of his, off of her body and, um, that it looked like she had tried to maybe get some cereal and had spilled it on the floor and, and, you know, just little things like that. So I feel really sorry Mm -hmm. for that little girl. Um, and she'd been there for like 36 hours. They said oh. 24 to 36 hours. All right, so just a little bit about Tim Arnold. He has an ex-wife and two kids. Uh, at the time of all of this, he was living with his father, and he was a writer-painter. I was actually going to look to see if we have his his children's book. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was... Somebody later said it was kind of an odd book, but I was kind of curious if yeah, we, we yeah. did have it. Um. But he had had some, uh, like, some kind of disease. They said it's cavernous malformation where uh, blood vessels cluster behind his eyes, and so he couldn't see very well. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what led to him getting divorced initially. And then he meets Krista, and they start actually dating. Mm-hmm. And they dated for about six months, but then it started to get worse again, and she kind of started to push him away and and all that and his it got so bad that his dad had to drive him everywhere oh Uh, he couldn't really go Mm -hmm. on his own so they had kind of broke it off but he was still wanting stuff you know some kind of a relationship so um then we have tony jacket who is the father of ava Mm. uh and he's a fisherman and Let's see. His ha- her house was near where he worked, and so she would walk down there and talk to the other guy, and that's kind of how they met. Mm-hmm. And then he would start going up to her house and uh, on his way home because he'd have to drive right by. And basically, she said, "Let's just have this um, relationship like in Europe." no attachments you know we can just both get what we want and then we're done was he married he was married oh Oh, did i not say that he was (laughs) married and had six children (laughs) so it comes out later that krista i think really wanted children and she had had um an abortion when she was in high school with somebody that she really i it sounds like they really loved each other. Mm-hmm. But because of the abortion, they grew apart and, mm-hmm. and all that. So I think that there was something there maternally that she still wanted to have a child. And he's obviously fertile. Right. Six kids. <laughs> right. And he's married with six kids. So the chances of him wanting to be a part of their life yes. seems pretty slim. Right. Like, I'd have to tell my wife about this. <laughs> <laughs> you know like so yeah. it sounds like the kind of situation where i want to be a single parent <laughs> but she told him that she was infertile and so he didn't wear any protection um but because there's no such thing as diseases that too <laughs> however the way that she um tony had made some comments about what she would do th- 
to help herself get pregnant. And if you've ever tried to do that or looked into any of that, you mm-hmm. would you would know a little bit about that. I'm not going to go into details for that, but um, but even though she was infertile, she would still do those things, and which is really and odd. he didn't question that at no. all. He wasn't like, oh. No. What are you doing? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so then she gets, she's six months pregnant, and he says, okay, I'm done. So he leaves. In the meantime, her mom dies. So this whole book, it starts talking about, she came to Cape Cod for her and her daughter. That is not true, because her daughter wasn't even born mm-hmm. until 2000, and she came in 1998. Mm-hmm. Why do you keep saying that? That doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. I don't know, just stupid yeah. stuff. And it sounds like she met her daughter's father there when yes. she to Yes. <laughs> so she, she didn't come for that, lady. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. So uh, Krista has the baby and is living in her, in her cottage that her father let her live in or whatever so this was their summer home that she i think so but the worthingtons have like worthington road and it's like a dead end but there's like six or seven houses and hers is probably the smallest but Mm -hmm. if you look at it it looks like it's a pretty decent house so she everything's going along fine she finally tells him you need to put ava on your insurance i'm done with this you know you need to start stepping up and that if he did not tell his wife by the time Ava turned two about Ava, then she would. So Ava was almost two, and mm-hmm. he finally breaks down. Tells his daughter first, because his daughter is grown and has her own child. Um, and then she's like, you have to tell. You got to tell mom. mom. Yeah. <laughs> So he's like thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to blow up, all this stuff. So he goes and tells her, and she cries, he says. But then she said, I can take care of this child. I could raise this child. So she's like, what they were saying is like, she's inserting herself into this drama mm-hmm. because she doesn't want to be left out. Is that weird? That is weird. And also, <sighs> it's just like, who's offering you to raise this child exactly <laughs> yeah like, okay <laughs> well then um krista decides she wants money child she, support yes not just being on my <clears throat> insurance but she wants more money mm-hmm. i'm thinking he's a fisherman mm-hmm. i don't know what she does but i can't imagine that it's raking in a lot of money mm-hmm so, but she comes from money, and it doesn't sound like she's got to be paying rent or anything like that. Exactly. Mm. So that's what I'm wondering about, too. So then it starts to come out, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, so she becomes a suspect. Did I tell you that? So Tim's a suspect because uh-huh. he found her. Tony's a suspect because it's Ava's Yeah, and they were dad. having some contention in their love affair yes so now the wife knows so now she's a suspect oh yeah (laughs) okay so i don't even know if we're gonna go there but here we go let's go back to tim for just a second tim decides that he's gonna walk over to her house it's a night where it's starting to storm it hasn't been stormy all year and now that Mm -hmm. they may be expecting snow it's kind of you know coming down maybe some ice that kind of thing and 
he has her flashlight because she had lent it to him so that he could walk home one night mm-hmm. instead of having to call his father because they lived through the woods mm-hmm. within walking distance. I don't know how far that was. And he was waiting for the right time to return it. So this was the right time, I guess, in the middle of a storm, he was going to return it. And well, maybe he was hoping that he would be stranded there. Maybe. You know, like, I'm going to return your flashlight. Oh, look, it's snowing. I can't, I can't go home. Leave. Yeah, and my father can't come and get me. That's right. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't think of that. Because he kind of gives it in a different way. He's like, oh, I was going to ask her to go out to dinner with me, even though it's sleeting outside. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, he... He goes over there, but then he doesn't. He tries to see if her car is in the parking lot because of the rhododendrons. He couldn't see. Yeah, <laughs> and so he goes home, and he comes in the house, and his dad says, "Where were you?" And he's like, "Oh, nowhere." So he sits down and he watches the game with his dad, the football game. So the football game, and no, it didn't even end. His dad just finally shut it off and said, "Okay, let's go," because he knew what his son wanted to do. And so they go over there, and that's when they find her. And so it's like, okay, you walked over there. Mm-hmm. Did you do it? Yeah, to return her flashlight? Right. Okay. Let's see. After she died, there was a custody battle over Ava. Because in her will, she had told had written in that a friend was going to be her guardian mm-hmm. and uh, the father wanted custody. Now, all of a sudden mm-hmm. he didn't have anything to do with her for two years. And now all of a sudden he wants to be guardian. Well, his wife's willing to raise her. Right. Oh, <laughs> all, all is hunky dory. Let's <laughs> just add her to. <laughs> uh, so there's that issue. Okay. So now we get, we're on page 90. All right. We start talking about money and She's has a trust in over a million dollars in real estate and Wall Street assets. And that's why they're saying that Tony wanted to have custody because he would then be getting child support from her. Yeah, he would be in charge of the trust. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So then it's like she has all that money, but she was trying to get more money from him. Right. It's like, what is that all about? Is weird. It was either Tony was lying or she was just trying to mess up his life. Yes. So you just get control and get Yeah, you gotta tell your wife about this and like just trying to just trying to mess with his life. Yeah. Instead of like she it doesn't sound like she needed it. So either Tony's lying about all of that, mm-hmm. which makes him sound really bad. Right. You should probably not <laughs> do that. <laughs> Or she was doing all of that just because she could, and yeah, she wanted Tony's wife to know. Maybe that's yeah, that's a good. Maybe she would leave him, and he would come live with her. Yeah, and I don't know if she was wanting that because they kind of portray her as somebody who who wants her space. It's like okay, mm-hmm. we will have sex, but then we're not emotional about it mm-hmm. it's kind of segmented and separate um well that sounds like an awfully good way to get a married to trap a married man <laughs> well that's true 
Now, I know you're going to love this part, so I'm going to turn to this page here for just a second. I don't know exactly what they are talking about right here, but it says, Alfred Sr. said, the cops have missed something. They have never found a weapon. He said he wants the police to ask the Boy Scouts to comb the hill behind the parking lot. I love how he was like, let's call the Boy Scouts. The Boy Scouts of America. They'll solve it. Right? Man. Now I'm like, every time something happens, I'm just going to be like, call the Boy Scouts. Where's my local Boy Scout chapter? I need it now. We need to have them on speed dial. That's right. <laughs> We're going to have to keep a running total of how many times the Boy Scouts get called <laughs> on these right. things. Maybe we should have the, the Boy Scouts as guests sometimes. Yes. How would you go about solving Has the police ever contacted you about maybe helping to find a murder weapon, a lost person, a dead body? If so, we would like to hear about it right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. That's just amazing. Okay, so I had to stop reading. <laughs> just like it, it. Yeah, it got a little bit crazy. And she said at the beginning of this book that they hadn't um, solved it yet at the time of of, of publishing. Yeah. So I knew going in that you know there it wouldn't have been solved. But after doing some research online, I found out that within probably six months or so, they decided to do um, a Cape Cod-wide DNA sample of all males. Huh. They did a dragnet? They did. DNA dragnet. And did everybody participate? Or were there people that were like, you're not getting my DNA? <laughs> I don't know. There was a little bit of stink that was raised about the yeah. whole thing. About privacy issues, uh-huh. obviously. But um, it didn't really say whether or not everybody participated or not. So, at the beginning of this, they also talk about the fact that Massachusetts has a backlog in DNA stuff because they just don't have the funding mm-hmm. to have this done. And every district attorney in the state gets one test a month. <gasps> and that was like early 2000s. I don't <laughs> know how that's changed now. <laughs> so this sweep of DNA. It's going to take years. Yes. That's what I was going to say. It sounds really expensive. <laughs> right. But... They did find a DNA match for somebody, but it wasn't because of that sweep. It was somebody else whose DNA was in the... Was already in the system? Well, no. They were trying to get it... It hadn't been processed yet because the backlog, I guess. Hmm. So, um, anyway, Chris McGowan's DNA matched because she'd been raped. And so... um, He's the one that was tried for it, and he was convicted. He was convicted of first-degree murder, aggravated rape, and aggravated burglary. But he has always said that he's not done it, that he didn't do it. Hmm. He said, well, he said, I knocked on her door, and she was all like, hey, come in. <laughs> Almost. Did they know each other? He was the trash man. <laughs> okay. And everybody knows that the trash man gets talked to all the time. Oh, yeah. 
Everybody's always throwing themselves at the trash man. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> so he says that he was come, came. Okay, she was found on Sunday, twenty four to thirty six hours before she was killed. He said. Um, Chris McGowan says that on Thursday was the regular trash pickup day Mm -hmm. that he stopped at her house and she wanted to get rid of her Christmas tree. So she invited him in. And then one thing led to another and they started kissing and had sex. I don't know if she's ever talked to this man before or not. Mm -hmm. But that's really weird. Yeah. That you would invite him in just to... Okay. Dry out your Christmas tree and then... Yeah. Not to mention the fact that he's been working. Mm-hmm. He can't smell that great. Anyway. Yeah. But they've, w- they've been portraying her as a tramp, though, throughout the tabloids. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So, on that same line, her father was a, a prominent lawyer. And after... He was cheating on his his wife, her mom. And after her mom died, he was more blatant about the fact that he was, he had put somebody up and she was an ex-prostitute and uh, she was also a drug addict and that kind of stuff. Well, it was said that Krista was giving his uh, her dad a hard time about the fact that she wouldn't have any inheritance. Uh, because he's spending it all on her, and she has AIDS. Mm. And so he, she thinks that um, he'll spend it all on her medical bills and, and all that. Mm-hmm. So they think that she could have been one of the people who did it to him, her, because her and her boyfriend had <laughs> gotten arrested for doing drugs, and the boyfriend wasn't her dad. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so they were on the list of potential suspects mm-hmm. as well. Um, anyway, so Chris McGowan is uh, convicted. He gets three consecutive life sentences without the possibility of p- parole. But he still, he says he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't testify at the first trial. He said he regrets that. And he's been, he has petitioned to get a new trial like at least three times, and it's been denied every time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he now has a new lawyer. And this this information I'd gotten from an article um, that was posted in November 2017. So it's fairly recent. Mm-hmm. And it was saying that he changed his stories his story three times. He said first when he was questioned by the police that he didn't know her. And then he said he went to her house to have sex. Which is different from the whole, oh, I stopped to get the trash. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then it just happened. And then he said he and a friend beat her up after a night of heavy drinking. And his lawyer said that he had low intelligence and he was telling the police what they wanted to hear. And I'm thinking, you know what? If you have a job... And you go to work and mm-hmm. you have enough intelligence to know what the police are doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that just is crazy to me. But then they say that at the interview with the police, he was under the influence of Percocet, cocaine, and marijuana. <laughs> and he doesn't remember telling them anything. Yeah. So, yeah, this new lawyer's coming in. Yeah. And, and he also says that he um, named this his 
friend that he was supposed to have gone in there with, um, that he killed her, this Jeremy Frazier guy. Mm -hmm. And so nobody knows really what happened. Um, I was watching one of the like news reports, 48 hours or Mm -hmm. something like that. And there was another guy that they were talking about that he had been convicted of some other things. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Looking at the two, his friend looked like he could he would could have done something like that. Mm-hmm. This guy actually doesn't look like he could have done that. Sounds like he was on a lot of drugs though, too. Yeah. So I he mean, could have been on a lot of drugs then too mm-hmm. and just be like, I don't remember any of that. Yeah. So he's been um behind bars for eleven years. And uh, so I don't know what's going to happen, if he's going to get a new trial or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Ava should be 16 or 18. This was 2003 and she was 2? 2002 when she was 2. So okay. she'd be, be 18. 18. Yeah. So I tried to look her up also. And it does say that the, the friend still has custody. That's who she lived and grew up mm-hmm. with. But she did get to see Tony um, regularly. He was part of her life or has been. and um, But I never really saw any pictures of her mm-hmm. now, uh, just when she was two, when all this happened. So hmm. my story could have been told in like 20 pages. It was way too... Mm-hmm. I mean, they were here and there, and they were telling me about murders that happened on the Cape that had nothing to do with this. And they just kept harping on the fact that, oh, this is the first one in 30 years, but then they would go back and talk about the other ones. It's like, I don't care about the other ones. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of interesting. Was this done by the same garbage man? (laughs) No. Are you going to tell me something about why these murders happen on the Cape? Somehow somehow they're all connected. They're all connected somehow. No. 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 No, just... There was one that had some little bit of a connection, mm-hmm. but that was it. And uh, yeah, and then it just she just drones on about things. And I this book did not need how many pages? Because I stopped at page one ninety two, uh, over four hundred pages. Wow, gosh! <laughs> yeah. She didn't even know about the garbage man. No, she had no <laughs> idea at this time about the garbage man. <laughs> Because it was like 2005 before they really found out. Mm-hmm. Um, he was tried and convicted in like 2005, 2006. So what do you think? You think it was the garbage man? Because you, you kind of brought up the fact that... Those other people that it could have been. Yeah. And there was some stipulation about whether it was really him and like, you know, people being wrongly convicted and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think his friend had something to do with it mm-hmm. as well. Um, I'm not sure about this McGowan guy. I mean, if he's maintaining his innocence, that for that long, it kind of makes you think, you know, what really happened. Obviously, he had sex with her. Mm-hmm. That's right. clear. Yeah, his but DNA we, was there. So. Yeah. But whether it was consensual or not, we have no idea. Yeah. And... um you know, I think that he probably had something to do with it because he brought the friend mm-hmm. with him there. Mm-hmm. What were they going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Know? Now, the other guy's DNA was not there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, her 
her apartment or her house was a mess. Uh, she just did not keep things clean. Mm. And it, it was, I guess, worse because she was taking a class and doing some other things. And, you know, so they're saying that her house was even messier than normal. It could have been because they went through and ransacked it and mm-hmm. you couldn't really even tell. Right. You know. Right, because he was convicted of stealing, like, a, aggravated yeah. theft or something like that. But I don't know what he stole. Like, what did he steal? Maybe that was in the 200 pages I didn't read. Yeah. Somewhere she, <laughs> somewhere she said. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't read what it was that what got stolen. Yeah. So... Or they had no idea, but because it was a big mess, they were like, oh, they ransacked it and took something. Mm-hmm. Mm. So at first, you kind of feel bad for her, but I think in the end, you really only feel bad for the daughter. I mean, I don't think that she deserved to be killed at all. I mean, that's right. not what I'm saying. But, And I don't want to say that she was asking for it. I don't think that that's really Mm-mm. it either. Mm-mm. It's just that. I think that you can be cautious mm-hmm. and you can watch what you're doing and to have a child of that age and and be promiscuous, I guess, is kind of, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know. No, to well, bring people into your house that yeah. you really don't know very much about. Yeah. yeah. And Regardless have, of... Know why they're there like oh i made a new friend and i'm gonna have them around my kid yes like you should probably know a little bit more about who this person is yeah whether it's a romantic relationship or not Mm -hmm. like it's just i mean i feel like she was um had very poor Mm self-esteem and it just manifested you know in in the need for other people Mm -hmm. so Anyway, mm. don't read the book. Yeah, we do not recommend these books. Go online, do a quick search. <laughs> Krista Worthington, the articles tell you exactly the same thing in a, in a lot less time. Yes. And you can get the update about what's going on a yeah. lot quicker. So I'm sorry, Maria Fluke. I did not like your book. Some of it was good, but it was just too much. Too much fluff. Mm-hmm. Did not need it. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. not add to the story. Yeah. Just throwing things in there just to try to make a whole book. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Kate here. And I also felt felt a disconnect, too, because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the other books that we've read. And this seems more coming from privilege, I mm-hmm. guess. And then the other ones that I've read have been more, mm-hmm. obviously, Mountain Man and, yeah. you know, things that have happened to normal people. Mm-hmm. And... So for me, there was maybe a disconnect because of that, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I don't like when the media portrays a woman that was raped as, like, a tramp. Like, that's... Yes. None of that has anything to do with what happened to her. Right. And so... And it sounds kind of like the way you were talking about it, like, she just sort of mentioned it without obviously pointing out the sexism you know like it's to me that's just so so wrong yeah and yeah maybe she had a lot of boyfriends that doesn't mean she deserved to be raped exactly and i i completely agree with that um 
but she did also mention other reporters in here too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was just her that was kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, no, it seems like that kind of happens with just the media in general. Yes. You know, it's just like throwing mud on her when like there's no need for that. Right. Yeah. So. And that poor little girl's going to have to grow up without her mother. And then at some point she's going to get to the age where she wants to know what happened to her mother and then to read that kind of crap about her mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I just think it's awful and irresponsible. Yeah. Why was it Eden? And why was it invisible? <laughs> well, I think, yeah. You know, yeah, where did this title come from? <laughs> That's a good, good question. I kind of feel like, I mean, you, you hear about Cape Cod. And for me, it's, you get this image of it being a cool place to be that maybe the rich people live over there, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's, you know, we got about 2,000 residents and it's it's a mixed population just like anywhere else. You know, you right. have a few affluent people that are there, but the people who are uh, affluent that, that live there typically don't reside there all year round. Mm-hmm. They're there for the summertime mm-hmm. and then they leave. It's a vacation spot for them. Yes. But then you have residents. Yes. The workers and, yeah. Yeah. Someone's got to take care of those fancy houses when no one's living in them. Right. (laughs) So, you know, I just talked about all that, but I still don't know what Invisible Eden means. Yeah. But I think it does play to the fact that we don't really know what's going on in people's lives. Mm -hmm. and, And how they may suffer internally yeah you know because of low self-esteem or because of you know previous history or whatever um Mm -hmm. so maybe that's the invisible part you don't really know right what's going on from the outside it looked like her life was all put together and she had a she had a nice house in cape cod and Mm -hmm. came from a rich family yeah but it wasn't all it Yeah. It was cracked up to be. Here's a picture of her. She was very pretty. Yeah. Anyway, that's my book. So again, we did not talk about our books. However, neither one of us liked it. Yeah. <laughs> our authors like, wrote yeah. similarly. Yes. <laughs> that was the theme here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's weird. Uh, it so. took me forever and yeah and i just skipped over some parts i was just like no don't care don't care about the smog anymore <laughs> i didn't really care to begin with but i thought maybe some of that will be a little interesting yeah no, it was awful not so much this book was so long too and it didn't need to be all right chris any dying questions excuse the pun <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just keep thinking about how funny, like, it seems like your author had, Denise, on your book there, had some really, like, probably had some moments where she's like, hey, this would be a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, this would be great. And then it just was executed wrong, and it actually didn't work as well as she thought it would. Yeah. Like, I thought, like, okay, here's the connection. He liked to use the gas from the... Right, from the coal. The coal. And that's what was choking people yeah. in the smog. And so that, but... You can't write a whole story from that because uh-huh. there's really not 
and it, any relation and it was just easier for him like yeah. how is he going to get these women to fall asleep in his apartment uh, yeah <laughs> And so, Here, smoke yes, this. Yeah. He was strangling people. <laughs> you, know, Jade, the, you need to take these pills. Yeah. <laughs> just because. Yeah. Just so he, he was strangling people and the fog the smog was strangling the mm-hmm. city sort of. So I mean I guess there's that, but Yeah. It sounded like like, oh yeah, this would be a great idea and then you you actually start to do it and there should have been a second realization where it's like, no, this wasn't as good an idea as I thought. Yeah. But well, and the editor isn't that what the editor is for? Also, yes, is you always to, wonder about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like this is not really flowing like it should. Yep, and I did not like the breaking up of the story. Yeah, like give me a full chapter about this. Mm-hmm. And, but no, no, not even a full chapter. See, mine she did a full chapter. No, like at, at the end, I think. The last two chapters was one chapter was about him being tried and convicted. And and then the last chapter was about the smog and getting the laws changed and so on. Wow. But the rest of the chapters like had these little, these little breaks. That's John Christie right there. Let's see if I can find it. Had these little breaks like this. So smog, serial killer. Oh. And so it was just... They had nothing to do. Oh, I can't even. Okay. Yeah. Look I did this, not have pictures of this mine. man. Look at him. He does not look like he could do that. He totally did. In a way, but kind of in a way he does. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's just got that look on his face. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and oh. one of the other things that I really did not like about my book was mm-hmm. at the beginning of every chapter, she had some kind of quote. Okay. And it is stupid long. Look at this. Did it even apply to anything? Wow. I'm sure it talked about coal or fog or something. I, I just didn't read them. I was just like, nope. I, I'm just like, you're going to, at the beginning of every chapter, you're going to have some kind of quote, and it's going to have to be a paragraph long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> Oh, but it was all about this fog. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. I always wonder sometimes. I read those and then I find no connection mm-hmm. to the quote in mm-hmm. the chapter. Yep. But yeah, every chapter, every chapter had a long, long quote. Wow. I think I might have read the first one. Yeah. And then after that, like when I got to chapter two and there was like a paragraph of quote, I'm like, nope. <laughs> Not going there. I don't need that. Right. So, our audience, our listeners, they know the answer to the question, do we like murder? And now they also know the answer to the question, do we like these books? They're different answers. Because, yes, we do like murder. No, we did not like these books. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been another episode of Do We Like Murder? Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs>